You're listening to a message from Gateway Church Geelong. We hope it blesses you. For more information about Gateway, visit gc.org.au. Well, this morning, part two of why does the church exist? I have uh, I've put this question out on social media through our Instagram and Facebook and people have actually been replying. They, they thought I was just asking a question. They didn't, read, they didn't read that it was sort of like the message for the next day. But that, it's okay. People were replying, what, why does the church exist? And I was getting messages through. It's like, I think the church exists because of this. And it's like, it was, it's really exciting to see people's ideas of why they, why they think the church exists. And let me tell you, not one of the ideas that came back was wrong. There are so many reasons for why the church exists. And what I wanted us to do through this series is focus in on what I believe the Bible tells us are some of the core reasons for the church existing. And it's because of those core reasons that we have an outflow of all of the other things. So let's recap just part one quickly, just in case you weren't here for the message two weeks ago. Um, I just want to recap it so that you're not sort of halfway through it going, eh? Um, And then you can catch up on YouTube later on if you want as well or through the church website. But in the first week, the part one, why does the church exist? And if you talk about why does the church exist, you you can ask it like this, what's the purpose of the church? And now to answer why the church exists, we answer these questions first. Who started the church and who is the church? It's imperative to know who started the church. The answer to that question is Jesus started the church. And it started in Matthew 16, 15 to 18, when Simon Peter was the first person that confessed with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And who is the church? We came to the understanding of You are the church. We are the church. Everybody who confesses with their mouth and believes in the heart that Jesus is Lord is the church. You are the body of Christ. You are a living, breathing temple that He dwells in. And Colossians 1 verse 18 says, He is the head of the body made up of His people, that's us, that is His church, which He began And he is the leader of all those who arise from the dead so that he is first in everything. He started the church. He is the head. And we, aren't we so grateful that he did so? And so the first two reasons of why the church exists from part one is mission is the first one. And it's about activating commission to go and proclaim the good news of Jesus to all humankind. That is for my liking, one of the primary reasons why the church exists. We are his representatives, his ambassadors. He's not here anymore. He's in heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father. And he said to us, can you join me in sharing the good news message to all? So that's number one. Number two is worship. One of the primary reasons that the church exists is to worship. And when we talk about worship, the the ultimate form of worship is to show worship to God. To love the Lord, your God, with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, for our hearts to be passionately devoted to worshipping and loving God. 
And so this week, we're going to talk about two more reasons or purposes why you, the church, exist. And so those two purposes, I'll let you know ahead of time so that you know exactly where we're going. I don't want you to try and have to filter it. The two, two purposes, the reasons we exist that we're going to talk about today is, first of all, loving others. And the fourth one, discipleship. And that includes baptism and teaching the ways of Jesus when we talk about baptism. And let's just, we'll look back at this passage of Scripture today because it, it really, it takes us back to the clear biblical truth of this. Not an idea that I came up with whilst I was playing a PlayStation. No, from the Word of God. Matthew 22, verses 37 to 40. And this is Jesus speaking. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. Worship. Amen. Verse 38. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. All the law and the, and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Everything that came before it, everything that came after it. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbour as yourself. These are the only two commands. That he gave us. Can you love the Lord your God? Can you just, with your whole heart, your mind, your soul, your spirit, your body, can you love him and can you worship him? And secondly, can you love others as you love yourself? It's a daunting one, isn't it? Loving others as you love yourself. And so the demonstration of God's love being poured out onto others can be done in many ways. So we're going to talk about point number three right now, loving others. And it can be poured out onto others around us in many, many different ways. But probably the simplest is by learning to be kind to the people standing in front of you. We can try and cultivate this thing inside of us and we can pray, Lord God, give me a a heart to love others. But if we can't learn to be kind to the person that is standing in front of us, those prayers, we're just we're throwing up in the air, but not activating into the person that is closest to us. And let's be honest, I, I truly believe that that starts at home. That starts with the people closest to us, learning to be kind to those people that we are truly familiar with. If we can do that, then I believe we can take it outside of that circle. Learning to love others the same way that you love God. It's one of those two commandments in Matthew 22. And the definition that's really helped me to understand loving others well is learning to love the people around me and serve the people around me with humility and a pure motivation to ask myself and as I'm doing this for someone, am I seeking a reward? Am I seeking adulation? Am I seeking to be known? Or am I doing this truly because I just want to love those people that are around me? That my loving service towards someone only seeks to encourage them and leave them better than they were before my conversation or that moment. And the challenge for all of us, myself included, is 
to learn to love others with pure intention. Understanding that we may get nothing in return from loving this person well. Aside from living out the second commandment being our reward. Living out God's commandment. That may be our only reward for loving and serving the person that is closest to us. And the crux, and potentially I perceive this to be one of the most challenging parts of this scripture, is it calls you not just to love God and love others well, but it calls, calls on us to love our neighbour as we love ourselves. Would anyone agree with me this morning? That is potentially the most challenging part of this scripture. So can I love God? Absolutely love God. Can I love others? I will do my best. Can I love myself? Ooh. Ooh. Like every day? Like all year? I'm not sure about you, but this has been one of the hardest challenges for me. And before, before I go into how that challenge has been hard for me, I, I, I want to speak these things for all of us to hear. There, there is a trap of trying to love others well, but not yourself. It's a trap. And the trappings are that loving people well requires a high level of output. Loving people well is at times hard. Like very hard, particularly when that person isn't giving you lovable behaviour back. It takes a physical and emotional strength to love people well. I'm not, I'm not looking at you, Naomi. I'm just <laughs> <laughs> so the outcome of trying to love people well when we don't love ourselves is that we're giving out of a curated love, a fashioned love that's not us. So when I go to love someone, if I don't love myself, when I go to love someone, it's like, here, here's my love that I have fashioned to give to you. Jeez, I hate myself. Here's my curated, lovely picture of the words that I feel like I should say to you but I would never say it to myself. We've fashioned a way for us to love others, but it requires way too much energy, way too much false truth. All the while we're giving out this thing that we don't even feel towards ourselves. And even as we do that, we can be found in this moment of, there is this opposing side of ourselves that speaks to ourselves and it's like we, we put ourselves down and we talk down to ourselves and make ourselves feel less than the people who are around us. All the while using encouragement coming out of our mouths that is zapping even more energy from our souls and our spirit. You know, in those moments when we're, trapped in putting people down, it can feel like we're an imposter because things are out of sync in our own hearts and our own minds. The work, the output of trying to love people well, I want to encourage you, there is a cost 
to trying to keep up the appearance of doing so. And that cost may be, and some people will resonate with this because we've done it at different times in different seasons, the cost of keeping up that appearance can be debilitating. Emotionally, spiritually, from the point of view where where it can almost turn into a, a spiritual and an emotional burnout. I want to encourage you, if you feel like you're on the edge of that or you've been there before and maybe you've said, I'm going to love really well, I'm going to serve so much and burnout, step back for a bit. Oh, I feel better now. I'm going to do it again. Burnout. Can I encourage you, if you burn out too many times, it doesn't stay as a burnout. It turns into a breakdown. And in the moment that we find ourselves in a breakdown, we then begin to look around us and begin to blame the reasons why we found ourselves in that place. Why am I speaking about this? I just don't want you to get there. Can you allow the Spirit of God to minister to your heart and restore you and heal you so that in loving others, you're not pulling out of what you don't have, you're pulling out of what's been put into you and it overflows and pours out to the people around us. It's imperative today, if this is real for you, to understand. Sometimes when we struggle to love ourselves, it's imperative you understand that you have been found worthy of love. You are found worthy of love. I'll say it one more time just in case it bounced off again. You have been found worthy of love. And this is what God says to you today in Romans 5 verse 8. But Christ died for us while we were still sinners. And by this, God showed how much he loves us. It's like, oh, I can't love myself. I'm unlovable. Even before you found him, even before you came to him and said, forgive me, I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. Even in your sin, in everything that was going on, he looked at you and said, I sent Jesus for you. I love you. I find you worthy to receive Jesus as Lord and Saviour. You have been found worthy of loving. Indict me for that. You have been found worthy of loving. You have been found worthy, not by me, You've been found worthy of God. The creator of the universe has found you worthy. And I I truly believe that accepting, even what I'm saying right now, accepting that God loved you even while you were still a sinner and he's proved it by sending Jesus, accepting that thought, that Bible verse in Romans 5 verse 8 is a precursor to beginning to be able to love yourself. I understand that there's many reasons why you, why loving yourself can be ridiculously hard. Feelings of guilt, shame, condemnation for things that you've done against others, deep feelings based on what others have said to you or actions of others that have been wielded against you. These very real feelings based on very real moments have happened. And I think it's important for us to, sometimes maybe when we come to Jesus, we can say like, I've got Jesus, everything's good now. 
your salvation is nailed. You are going to heaven. That's exciting, right? But there are some very real things at play still. Should you feel feelings of guilt and shame and condemnation? No, Jesus took those on the cross, but they're still connected back to very real things that happened. And He wants to bring healing and restoration to those areas of your life so you don't have the feelings or the emotions that sting with such pain connected back to those things. Will it still feel like a bit of a... Maybe, because it's real. It happened, right? Like, our brain is not like a computer. Like, with a computer, like, you can hit delete and it goes to the trash. And then it's in the trash and you look at it for a bit and you're like, I don't think I need it anymore. So then you right-click on the trash. It's like, empty trash. It's like, are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. And if you really don't want it anymore, if you really don't want to recover it, you can like do a full format of the hard drive. Our brains don't work like that. We keep things like logged. It's like, oh, I haven't, I haven't remembered that for a while. And then sometimes out of nowhere, boink, like it was yesterday, amen. We need the Spirit of God to bring healing and take us on a journey of restoration 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. This is what's spoken over us. Spirit, soul, body, like spoken over us. The new life has begun. Christ has taken that old person. So when you met Jesus and you confessed with your mouth that He was Lord and you believed in your heart that you were forgiven of your sin. Your old life is no longer controlling you like, like it used to. You are a new person. A new life is here. And for those who have found Jesus, you will testify. It's like at that moment, you're like, the weight of the world, otherwise known as sin, <laughs> lifted off you and no longer had control of you. And it's for those of us who have been in church a while, you will testify to this, that for the first year or two, it's like, I'm just like walking on air right now. Like if Jesus said, come out of the boat and walk on water, I reckon I could do it. (laughs) And then that period of time, things begin to get real and hard and difficult. And we've got undealt with things in our life, things that we brought with us from our family, things, real practices, real behaviours. And some other people have got that in church as well. It's not just you that are carrying those things. And, and we say that there's a clash of personalities, but there's not a clash of personalities. It's just a clash of old behaviours that we brought with us. That, and it's, it's like, it's not that person's fault or that person's fault. It's both of our faults. And we need to work on ourselves rather than praying for God to do something in their life. It's a struggle. And you might say, I I know all these things, Pastor, but I still struggle with the feelings and the outcomes. Absolutely. That is something you need to take to Jesus probably every day. Every day, forever. We heard that song forever this morning. That's what it was talking about. It wasn't talking about that. But to be able to love ourselves like God loves ourselves, it may be necessary, may, meaning it will be, 
necessary to go and deal with some things from our old life. Sins taken, the control over our life, but we have to work through some things. And I understand for some people hearing this may be, may be difficult. Maybe you've been told, maybe you were told when you received salvation that everything was going to be fine now. I'm really sorry that someone said that to you. Because what is going to be okay is your salvation is like taken care of. There are some great things that God establishes at salvation and one of them is no longer being controlled by the grip of sin that you're set free and brought into relationship with God. But there will be things that you cannot wish away. In my Bible, it doesn't say that anything can be wished away. I mean, if you've got one that does, you should probably delete that off your device. Um, there are some things that he wants you to go back and deal with, the old ways. It's like, but, but if I bring those things up, like they torment me. Let me tell you, if you don't bring those things up, they're going to torment you anyway. And it's not until it's like simmers in this under the surface and every now and then it goes bleh. Normally to the people closest to us because we'd never do it to another brother and sister in the house of the Lord. <laughs> and then like we come down the front and someone prays for us or we go to a, a care pastor or a small group leader and it's like, I'm just really struggling at the moment. And we use those words, I'm just really struggling. So, oh Lord God, I just pray that you help them with the struggle and someone prays for us. We're like, I'm free from it. Simmer, 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 simmer. Bleh. Dunk, dunk. Dunk, dunk, you are not called once a year to be on that merry-go-round. God wants you to go back, allow Him to put His finger and say, when you need to pray for your mind to be renewed, it's this. This is what I want you to have freedom from and no longer be controlled from. God's good, amen. If you're struggling to love yourself because your mind keeps going back to things you did or said to people, there is nothing like going back and seeking reconciliation. Nothing like offering an apology, asking for the person to listen to your apology with no strings attached. They may never receive it. It's not the point, amen. You need to go back and free yourself from those things. I guarantee you that it opens a floodgate for their life as well. Where they've been carrying this bitterness and hurt and pain because of things that were said or done. And you come back and you're like, I have come to this place where I now understand that what I did was so hurtful. I, I ask for your forgiveness. You don't have to give it to me right now, but I'm, I'm letting you know I'm so sorry. You may not get the reward of forgiveness, but God works with you and frees you from it. Amen. Maybe you need to come to a place where you seek wise counsel or go to counselling and work through some very real accumulated hurt. Why? So that you can begin to love yourself as you love God. Then and only then can we begin to love others. All of our circumstances are different. However, I know that God is calling us all to this new life, these new practices, new freedom, so that we can begin to love ourselves, so that we can love others without paying a deep cost emotionally, spiritually and physically. Now, another way of loving, loving others in the church body is meeting the needs of others, helping others to step into healing of their hurts. 
Each time you reach out in love to the people around you, whether it's in church or within your community, you're ministering God's love to them. It's not yours. He loved you first and it's His love. You are offering His love and you're ministering His love. The church, which is us, you, we're called to minister to all kinds of needs. Spiritual, emotional, relational, physical. But I find the simplicity is found in this passage of Scripture, Matthew 10 verse 42. Whoever helps any of these little ones because they are my followers would definitely get a reward, even if they only offer them a cup of cold water. The CE version says it like this. Anyone who gives one of my my most humble followers a cup of cool water just because that person is my follower will be rewarded. Sometimes we can think about loving others well and serving others well and we can sort of make it into this a big elaborate thing that we need to do. But what Jesus says here is anybody who looks at someone who needs loving well and if all you can do is offer a cool cup of water, there's a reward for you in heaven because you've loved well. It's simple, right? It doesn't have to be as big and daunting as, it's like, oh, I, can't, I can't do those things, Pastor. Can you offer someone a cool cup of water? Can you be a refreshing person in their life? Loving well is as simple as taking care of the physical need like a cool glass of water or as complicated as standing with someone in a moment of grief and loss. Regardless, loving well is one of the reasons the church exists. I know we're pushed for time this morning, but just allow me to share a quick, quick story with you, my personal journey of choosing to follow Jesus. You know, after choosing to follow Jesus there was contention in my life. Has anyone felt that before? <laughs> Complete freedom, and, but also contention. And the contention was that I had this newfound understanding that God the Father loved me deeply, so deeply that He sent Jesus. But the contentious issue was that I wanted to share this love with others I wanted to serve people well within my church community, but there was a disconnect inside of me. God the Father loved me, but I didn't know that my earthly father loved me. Contentious, right? All of a sudden, God the Father, creator of the, the world, sent Jesus for me, and I'm completely caught up in this love. But the contentious issue is, I don't even know if my earthly father loves me. This may be real for some people here today. Most of my interactions in family life pointed to a deficiency of being loved and encouraged. It was like polar opposites. Fully loved, what's going on? And take note, at this point in time, I knew and I, I was a new creation. I wasn't doubting the fact that God had saved me. The old life had passed away, but there was a barrier. I was helping in my youth group, going to church, but the pain of my past, the impact of the words, all pointed to the fact that my heart needed healing. 
And you need to know God is in the business of healing hearts and restoring what has been stolen or never imparted. You need to know that God is in the business of healing hearts. The journey of healing, restoration and reconnection, because of that, I, was be- I began to be able to learn to love myself as a person who was a child of God. It was a long journey, but it's worth every moment. Moments of being prayed for, moments of counselling, moments of encouragement, moments of forgiveness, forgiveness that I had to give for things that were wronged against me. Can I, can I encourage you? One of the biggest things that set me free was God bringing me to a place where I worked through things, talked through things, understood where my journey in life had led me to. And going to my dad and sitting down before he had even processed anything. And so I just need to let you know that I forgive you. I could have sat on the other end of that and I could be holding onto it right now and you wouldn't even know. Saying all these amazing things out of the Bible, but holding on to this thing that was holding me bound and stopping me from loving people well, well around me. Could I, could I minister and preach? Absolutely. Could I be a good husband and father? Absolutely not. God is in the business of healing hearts. God wants to heal your heart so that you can love your neighbour and love yourself well. If you've got the Bible app this morning, there's some other scriptures that, that are in the Bible app around what, I was, what I'm speaking about now. And I'd encourage you to read those things because it will bring revelation to, to what God is speaking this morning. But let's, let's move on to number four this morning of the reason the church exists. Discipleship. One of the main reasons that the church exists, discipleship. And discipleship includes baptism and teaching the ways of Jesus. Let's talk about making disciples for a moment. Jesus gave us some really clear examples of what we as followers of Jesus need to begin to outwork our lives in. And last week we touched on this scripture out of Matthew 28. And the entire passage of Scripture mandates and calls the church to join Jesus in the Great Commission, to share the good news, proclaim the good news of Jesus. But within this commission are some really important reasons the church exists. And if that passage of Scripture is on the screen, Matthew 28, 19 and 20, we see in verse 19, one important reason, go and make disciples of all nations. Next reason, baptising in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. And the third reason, they're teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded, the ways of Jesus. And so this call for us to make disciples, essentially we're making sure that people are trained up to share the hope of Jesus, to share the hope of Jesus Christ, making sure that people have the opportunity to be baptised, making sure that, that what people are taught in church are the ways of Jesus, the commands of Jesus. And God has called you, I've said this already this morning, God has called you to to be His representative here on earth, to be His ambassadors. And our mission is to share the hope of Jesus, to make sure that all the people in the world know that God loves them. Indeed, let's be clear, this is a great responsibility. But even more than being a great responsibility, it is a great privilege to join him in seeing disciples made. Baptism this morning. Jesus calls his his church, us, to make sure 
that people have the opportunity to be baptised. We're going to be having a baptism service in the very near future. COVID, like, yeah, we did do a baptism in the middle of COVID. I, I don't know how we did that. But we did. Maybe, maybe <laughs> the, the baptism font was filled up with sanitizers. is that what you're saying? <laughs> but the picture of baptism in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus was baptized. We follow his example in being baptized. What does baptism mean for a person who becomes a Christian? In, in this moment, you're identifying the fact that your old life is gone and your new life has begun. And we follow this example of Jesus being baptized and it signifies that you've begun a new journey with Christ. You're letting the world know, I've begun a new journey with Jesus. My old life is gone. My new life has begun. And so the question, who, who can be baptized? When we talk about baptism, we're talking about full immersion underwater, just, just in case you've come from a different background or haven't been in church. Full baptism, Acts 8, verses 36 to 38. While they were travelling down a road, they came to some water. The official said, look, here is water. What is stopping me from being baptised? And Philip answered, if you believe with all your heart, you can. If you believe that Jesus is Lord, rose from the grave for the forgiveness of your sins, there is nothing stopping you from being baptised. It's not ritualistic. It's not something that you must do, but you're, you're identifying the fact with Jesus got baptised and I identify with his death, burial and resurrection. There's some extra teaching that I could give to that this morning, but baptism symbolises forgiveness of sin. Baptism speaks of the death, burial and, burial and resurrection of Jesus. And as we go under the water, our old life stays there. As we come out, we're, we're new, a new creation in Jesus. But it's also a, pro, a profession to everyone around us. I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. And so this morning, we talk about discipleship, a baptism. We talk about teaching people the ways of Jesus. Yeah, as, a, as a church, let's be clear, we are called to reach people, reach people with the good news of Jesus. But we're also called to teach them. Also called to teach the church the ways of Jesus. When we talk about the ways of Jesus, it's about being discipled in his ways. It's the church's responsibility. When I say the church, us, it's our responsibility to make sure that people are developing in their spirituality and their emotional maturity. And we do this via teaching on Sundays, spending time together, programs like Alpha, pastoral catch-ups, the growth track course, small groups, emotionally healthy spirituality courses, spending time with each other, encouraging each other to pursue the ways of Jesus. And see, this is God's best for every believer to be discipled, taught the ways of Jesus. So when we teach the ways of Jesus, it's not only a biblical truth, but it activates God's purpose in our lives. In Ephesians 4 verses 12 to 13, as we come to the end this morning, it says this. So that this, is, this is talking about the, the ministry gifts, the five ministry gifts that are to be active in the church. And this is what it goes on to say. So that God's people would be thoroughly equipped to minister and build up the body of the anointed one. 
These ministries will continue until the unified, we're unified in faith and filled with the knowledge of the Son of God, until we stand mature in His teachings and are fully formed in the likeness of the anointed, our liberating King. Who's the anointed? It's Jesus. But the reason that we teach the ways of Jesus is so that each of us can become fully formed followers of Jesus. Amen. So this morning, just as we come to the end, why does the church exist? The four things that we've learned so far, mission, worship, loving others, and discipleship. The key reasons the church exists. And I wanna encourage you, you should expect these things to be present in your local church. These things should be present in your local church. Why? Not just because they're nice ideas, but they're the biblical mandates that God gave us for, to be activated in the local church. This morning, just as, we, as we're closing, if you haven't had the opportunity yet to be known and loved by God, I, I wanna let you know, that's one of the reasons the church exists for you so that you can hear the good news of Jesus, the love of Jesus. The local church is a place where you can hear of God's love for you, that even before you knew of Him, He sent Jesus because He loved you so much. He went to the cross, rose again on the third day, and the reason to take the sin of the world, forgiveness for our sins, restoration of our relationship with Jesus. This is why the church exists. In this moment, this is why the church exists for you. If you're watching online, you're in the room. Just as we go any further, just with everyone's eyes closed for a moment this morning, I, I just want to encourage you that if you don't know Him personally yet, haven't entered a relationship with God, don't know what it is to be loved from God, healed, restored. This is your moment this morning to accept Jesus as Lord and Saviour. If you're watching online, this is, this is for you as well this morning. I ask if there's anyone here this morning who would say, yeah, I, I don't know Jesus personally, but I, I wanna know Him. I wanna know His love and I wanna be in a relationship with God. I don't wanna be separated from the love of God anymore. If that, that's you this morning, just with everyone's eyes closed, heads bowed, can I just invite you to pop your hand up and say, yeah, I, I want that. I want a relationship with Jesus. If you're online, that's for you as well. Once you've put your hand up, you can, you can put it down this morning. So anyone that say, yeah, I, I want to know Him. I want to know the power of God's love, His forgiveness, His restoration. Let's give it one more moment. I don't want you to, don't want you to miss this this moment that God has for you. Just with our eyes closed, this is what I'd love us to do for those who are in the room watching online or listening elsewhere. I'm going to pray a prayer of, and it's a prayer of coming into relationship with God. Prayer of knowing Jesus personally. I want to invite you to pray the prayer after me. And I want to invite the, the entire room to pray this prayer with me this morning to support those who are, who are praying either, either for the first time or maybe you've been off your own journey and you know that you need to come back to a place of relationship with God. Let's pray this morning. Dear God, 
I thank You that You sent Jesus, that You loved me first. And I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord and You raised Him on the third day. I ask You today to forgive me. I surrender my life to You. And from today, I choose to follow You. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. We pray that that message was a blessing to you. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, first of all, congratulations. We think that that is incredible. And secondly, if you go to gc.org.au forward slash first steps, our team has put together some resources as well as there's some information there for how you can get in contact with one of our pastors because we'd love to encourage you and connect you into the life of the church.